worship with us this morning. For our children's time today, I'm going to be talking about prayer. So kids and adults, listen up. So the past few weeks, Pastor John has been talking about relationships with our families when everything around us is changing. And one of the most important relationships that we can have during this time is our relationship with God. So you might be wondering, how do I have a relationship with God? I can't see God, I can't touch God. How do I do this? Well, the Bible tells us to pray. And prayer is when we listen to God and when we talk to God. And in the Bible, in 1 Peter, it talks about how we're supposed to cast all of our cares. So cast just means put all of your cares on God because he cares for us. So today, I brought a few things to show you how I pray at home. So number one, I have my Bible. So often at home, I will open up to the very middle of my Bible to the Psalms, and I will read a Psalm, and I'll say, God, this is my prayer to you. Other times, I have this really pretty notebook, and so I'll write a letter to God. I'll say, God, I'm thankful for these things, or I'll say, God, I'm sad about these things, and so I just write whatever I'm feeling, and I let God know what's going on. But if you're like me, sometimes even those things don't work, and I get really fidgety when I pray, or I forget what I'm trying to say, or I'm like, is God even listening? So on those days, I found a really fun way to pray, and it's called praying in color. So for that, you could use some markers or Sharpies and some colored pencils. And so before I even start praying, first I imagine, how would God be like? Would he be excited to see me? So I want you to all think of a friend or a cousin, someone you haven't seen these past two months. If they were to knock on your door right now, Imagine how excited you would be and just feel that for a second. So I'm thinking of my friend Michelle. Her name is also Michelle. And whenever we see each other, we say, Michelle, it's so good to see you. So that excitement that you feel, that I feel when I see my friend Michelle, that's the excitement that God feels every time we pray. So start with knowing that. And then if you don't like to use words, you could try doodles. So I'll see if you guys can see these. So you could do polka dots, lines, stripes. You don't have to be an expert artist, just any type of doodles. You can practice those to start. And next, you can make a list of all the names for God that you can think of. So on my list, I have Holy Spirit, Abba, Yahweh, Savior, Good Shepherd, Creator. So that's what you could do next. And then what you do is you draw the name of God in the middle, and then you can doodle and draw whatever you want around it. And as you draw, the very act of coloring and doodling, that can be your prayer to God. So take a look. So yesterday, I was praying for all of you. So I put Jesus in the middle, 
And then I put a lot of your names around and I doodled all around them. And as I was doodling, I was just offering each of you up to God as a prayer. So if you're stuck on praying during these times, try grabbing colored pencils and praying in a new way. So please pray with me right now. God, we thank you that you are with us even when we can't see you, even when things aren't going the way we want them to. God, you still command us to cast our cares on you, and you tell us that you care for us and that you love us. Be with us this morning. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Michelle. That was awesome. I'm going to move this out of the way. Hey, for those of you on Facebook Live, sorry, we uh, had a little technical difficulty here. So if you missed the first part of the service, uh, you can check it out online. We post all of these online at uh, livingspring.com. And then the other thing I want to mention uh, by way of just information is we're doing... um, for our neighbors next door, we have uh, a bunch of apartment buildings there. I think it's about 150 to 200 units. Um, they need help. And so um, we're doing a little drive. If uh, you want to be a part of it, we need shampoo, toilet paper, body wash, deodorant, toothpaste, um, uh, so that we can get those over to them. And I know you're probably saying, John, I can't even get toilet paper for me. I understand that. Just let's do the best we can. And then on um, Friday, we're going to take that, uh, there'll be a, we'll have a drive here, but we're, we're going to have a box in front so that you could come at any time and drop those things off. And uh, we'll have that starting Monday. Um, but uh, Friday, if you want to have a goal, maybe Friday, May 22nd from 5 to 7 would be uh, your thing. So please help us out with that. We really appreciate it. We really appreciate all the people who have um, continued supporting Living Spring. I'll have a letter out this week about all the things that we're doing behind the scenes. Um, And there's still lots of ministry to do. And uh, while we still are in lockdown. So uh, when this all started, um, our leadership team when that very first Sunday, we're trying to decide how, how serious this is. We didn't know everything was, all the information was new. And so, um, so we're in staff meeting trying to decide if we're going to cancel church and for having an audience uh, and just have people um, watch online. And so um, I, I made a prediction in staff meeting that this was only going to last six weeks, and then we'd be back into church again. As a matter of fact, I even took a picture. I wrote it on my whiteboard, six weeks, and I, I put the date that I said it, and I signed my name to it, and um, our, uh, someone on staff took this picture as proof so that when I was wrong, um, they could uh, shove it in my face, which they did just a couple days ago. And so... Um, so I was completely wrong on that, and I'll probably continue to be wrong. Um, but my point is this. For some of us, you might have had certain expectations of how this was going to go down. And maybe when it first happened and the kids came home from school and you'd do puzzles on Thursday and you, you, know, you were home from work and you could go to meetings in your underwear and you just have all these great things. And then day after day after day after day and you start going stir crazy and you've watched Tiger King twice already and you're just like, I've talked to many, many people who are like, I have nothing to binge watch anymore. And now we're kind of just like in 
the thick of it. Well, what I want to talk about this morning is uh, a deeper conversation about maybe some of the things you're going through right now. Maybe now the finances are really starting to get tight. Now maybe uh, nerves are starting to get uh, raw. And you might have asked yourself this question. Where's God? Where's God in all of this? Um, Maybe you've said it this way. If God is all-loving and all-powerful, why would he allow a pandemic? Because that doesn't seem very loving. So, so maybe, maybe he's not that loving. Maybe God kind of created everything, and you believe in God, and it's more of a pantheistic thing, and he, he creates everything, however he did it, I have no idea. And, um, and then he's just watching the ants, like he has an ant farm. And he's just like, oh, wow, oh, oh, it looks like they have a disease. Oh, man, that's, that's terrible. Wish there was something I could do about it. But I don't, I just, I'm just, I don't care, right? Or he's really loving and he's uh, relatively powerful, created everything. But now once he wound the thing up and, and put it out there, uh, he's just kind of wringing his hands because he can't like fix everybody all, all at the same time. Uh, if you want to actually read a good book on this topic by someone t- way smarter than me, uh, you can read this book, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering by Timothy Keller. He's a brilliant pastor and author and theologian, and uh, he'll kind of do a deeper dive. But what I want to talk about this morning is, um, uh, let me go back one. Uh, what I want to talk about this morning is, um, The idea of there might be a third way. God can be all-powerful and can be all-loving at the same time. And we also have pain and suffering. Now, before I I go on, I I am firmly aware that some suffering is, is beyond what you could imagine. When children are uh, involved and, you know, there's just, there's just a lot of pain and suffering in different parts of the world. And I understand that. And so what I, I'm hoping that when I, when I finish today, um, that you'll be able to apply some of these principles even to that. Having said that, I know that that's just a very big ask. So I'm going to talk to you mostly about what we do in our own pain and suffering. As you begin to deal with some of the things that you think are completely out of your control, which of course they are, uh, and then you're just wondering where God is. So we're going to spend a little time in Isaiah. He's a prophet. And then we're going to go into the book of James. So uh, James, if you remember last week, I said if you're going to read three books of the Bible, read John, then James, then Philippians. And then we're going to look at uh, one of the most famous Christians around and see what they have to say about their own pain and their own suffering. And um, I'm hoping that at the, at the end of the day, I, I at least get you thinking um, about the possibility that we can have pain and suffering with an all-powerful and all-loving God. So we start with Isaiah. He's a prophet. And he says this, and this is so important to get down right in the beginning because this begins to open the door and op- to open your mind to this idea that there might be a third, a third way. And here's what he says. Uh, this is what God is talking. This is God's words through Isaiah. 
He says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. The way I see things is not the way you see them. The way I value things are not the way you value them. My thoughts are not your thoughts. And if you've ever um, babysat a kid, been around a kid, you were a kid, obviously, uh, you can kind of understand this a little bit as a, as a parent. You know, as a parent, my kids would say, like my son, um, when he was little, he wanted a knife, okay? And I'm like, no, you're not, you're not getting a knife. And it became a huge deal. Like he was just flipping out and because uh, he wanted this knife. Now, you and I, of course, we were like, why would you, why would you give a, a five-year-old a knife? That isn't very loving. Because my thoughts are not his thoughts. He thinks he's going to be safe. He thinks everything's going to be fine. He thinks he knows exactly how everything's going to go down. He's never going to cut himself, okay? But my thoughts are not his thoughts, now, if we start with this premise with God, can you imagine the difference between God's thoughts and our thoughts? Because oftentimes, I want stuff for myself that maybe God doesn't want for me, but maybe I shouldn't even want for me. Um, I was talking to somebody about this, and, um, and we were talking about free will, you know, and that part of the problem with pain and suffering is that we're, we're people with free will, and so we can... We're broken, and so we can break things. And, um, and he said, man, what, do you just want to be, can you imagine just being a robot and having everything taken care of for you, and you just live a life of ease? And I'm like, yeah, I'd rather have that, actually. <laughs> like, I, I wouldn't be opposed to that. And they're like, no, 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 you're, you're a robot. You're a robot. You can't, you can't make any decisions. They're already made for you. I'm like, uh-huh, but I still get the, the ease and the comfort, right? Yeah, that's the one. That's what I want to be. Because that's kind of the way my personality is. And so my thoughts, the way I think about my life, the way I think about how I process things, are not God's thoughts. And, and the problem that we have in today's society is as we continue to amass more and more knowledge, and we continue to uh, go through, you know, we get more scientific and we get, you know, everything. Today, I, you know, I, I, was, I looked online for a, a question and, and it found the answer in 0.4 seconds. And so we, th we think we have access to all this knowledge that we're getting closer, that we're, we're getting closer to being able to solve all our own problems. But our thoughts aren't his thoughts. And so the, what the prophet Isaiah does is he wants, well, it's God talking, but he, God wants to get this a point across. It's very, very important. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways. Like, I don't think the way you do, and I don't act the way you do. And then to make the point as clear as possible, he says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, that's high. And in science, as we're gaining more and more knowledge about how vast the universe is, I think God's up there going, yep, even farther. Yep, no, even farther. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my, thoughts, uh, and my thoughts than your thoughts. He just doesn't see things the way we do. And that, which makes sense, doesn't it? And so we look at it and we say, man, if I were God, if I did this, if I, you know, I, I, I've talked to people who said I, they can't believe in a God who who would allow pain and suffering. I, I get it. 
And let me just be very, very clear. I don't know why. I don't know why. I'm not sure I understand. Well, I'm trying to preach a sermon right now. Uh, I don't know why he, he allows it. And, and so, and the Bible doesn't really talk about why. What the Bible talks about is how. How do you get through what is inevitable? The Bible never promises comfort. It never promises lack of harm. As a matter of fact, it's almost the opposite. As Michelle was talking about praying through the Psalms, uh, those aren't happy songs, a lot of them. A lot of them are lamenting. A lot of them are grieving. A lot of them are going through trouble. And so I am not trying to minimize what you're going through, and I'm not trying to explain it away, because I don't know why. Because as high as the heavens are from the earth, so his ways are higher than mine, and his thoughts are higher than mine. And so what do I do from here? If it's inevitable, and if I truly believe that there's a loving and all-powerful God, that for some reason I can't understand, and I've, I, I, don't, I would argue, I, I, I would do better for myself if I was my own God. But we know how ridiculous that is, right? So what I wanted to do was look through the scriptures and see if there's any, uh, any hints on how we get through this, or any hints on what, what can I get out of this? Because at the end of the day, when we get past this corona pandemic, I don't want to be the same person I was before it started. I want to be stronger. I want to be more loving. I want to be more understanding. I want to know my God better than I do. I want my relationships to be deeper. And so part of that is just learning how to deal with the pain and the suffering around me. So I hope that makes sense. I hope you understand I'm not trying to uh, explain why God allows this. I don't, I don't know. But I do know that his ways are higher than mine and his thoughts are higher than mine. So we go to the book of James. James is the half-brother of Jesus. So James is the son of Mary and Joseph, and Jesus is the son of Mary and God. So blended family, right? And James uh, ended up at the end of his life believing that his brother, half-brother, was truly the Messiah. He was truly God. And one of the reasons I believe that too is that if you can convince your brother that you're God, you probably have done some things that are pretty amazing, okay? Because uh, I have a brother too. And... Um, it's very disjointed, it's very ADD, um, but it just has these incredibly rich ideas in it. Here's what he says, because for some reason, James seemed to have found some type of um, key. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever, whenever, which means you will, Whenever you face trials of many kinds, there apparently is a place that we can mature to where when we face trials, we can actually face them joyfully. I know many, many people who've gotten to this point in their life and they've gone through some ridiculously tough trials and yet they've gotten to a place or when they face it, they don't like it, they don't minimize it, but they're, they're joyful for the experience of being able to mature. 
They're joyful for the experience to be able to experience God in a different way that they couldn't otherwise. Because here's what I know about myself, and it may be true with you, I don't know. I rarely find God in my comfort. I, I, I rarely have deep conversations with him while, while, I'm, um, while everything's taken care of. And while I get to a place where um, I'm not bothered by anything and everything's going well and the church is doing great, my family's doing great. I mean, I certainly love God then, but there's nothing like meeting him in the midst of my pain. And I will talk about that in a little bit. So he says, consider it pure joy. Why? How can you do that? Why? He says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Something comes out of it. God will never waste any part of what you're going through. He says, you know that the testing of your faith, going through these trials, going through these issues, produces perseverance. What ends up happening, for me at least, is I just want him to take it away. And in the process, what he would be taking away is my ability to mature in my faith. Now, that is not the why That is not why God, I don't know why God allows pain and suffering. That's not it. But I'm told that I can get through it. That his presence can be there with me. That I can experience him in a way. And watch what he says. This is really uh, fantastic. Let perseverance finish its work. Don't try to medicate your way out of it. Don't try to mitigate your way out of it. Certainly be wise. But it needs to finish its work. Why? So that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So we go, before the pandemic, Lisa and I went to this gym. I've talked about it a bunch of times. Um, And you do a workout. And then when you're all done and you're just completely spent and you don't think you can handle anything more, He says, okay, get ready for a finisher, it's called. And a finisher isn't the finishing of the workout. It's the finishing of you. (laughs) It's the finishing of, of, you know, and so so it might be some ab, wacky ab thing or something that it just hurts. It just hurts, right? And, um, And in the middle of the finisher, in the middle of the finisher, he'll say this. This is why you worked out today. To get to a place where this part of the workout does its work. And I think in a lot of ways, that's what James is saying. Let perseverance finish its work. Don't try to get out of it. Don't try to figure out a way to squirm around. Let it do what it's supposed to be doing. Let it do what it has the opportunity to do for you. So that the next time there's a trial, you're stronger. The next time there's a trial, you, you, you've been through that already. So that you may be mature, complete, not lacking anything. James seems to say you can get to a place where it doesn't matter what comes up. That you can handle it. Is that, again, is that why God does I, I don't know. But it's the How? It's the how. It's getting down. And, and I also want to be clear that um, 
Uh, this doesn't mean you just keep a stiff upper lip and pretend nothing bad is happening. You, there are examples all through the scripture of people mourning loss, mourning death, feeling like God has abandoned them. It's all through the Bible. Absolutely appropriate. It's absolutely appropriate to tell God you don't agree with anything that's happening right now. But let it finish its work. And you've probably experienced this in, in your, your life. Everything that we do takes time. Every part of growth are these little steps, right? If you, if you, if you um, in your finances, you know, you try to teach a little kid how to, to save, and they're like, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. I want that car. I want it now. I saved my allowance. I should be able to have it. And you're saying, no, 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 my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. But then as that kid begins to maybe start to save and they start to get mature and they start to be able to handle it, or maybe with you and you're in eating or whatever it is, we let it finish its work. We follow it all the way through. Let me uh, switch to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I hope all this is making sense. And Paul comes in and um, Paul had been planting churches all over the Mediterranean. He's, he's been shipwrecked. He's been hit with sticks. He's been hit with stones. He's been bitten by things. It's just like if there was ever anyone who deserved a life of comfort because they were serving God, it would be Paul. But Paul couldn't even provide, like the ministry couldn't even provide for him. So he had to get another job as well as all the planting of all these churches. As well as doing things for God, for being on his knees, for praying, for going through being hungry and going through all these different things. You would think if there was somebody on the planet that God would say, okay, you, you get a life of ease because you are serving me. It would be Paul. And the exact opposite happens. And I think we can learn from him. He gets this thing that he calls uh, a thorn in the flesh. And uh, he says it was a messenger from Satan to buffet him. And buffeting means just, it's like a blow, it's like a blow to the head. So he's got this thing, this ailment, this, this thorn in the flesh, this difficulty, this pain, this suffering, whatever it is. And some scholars think he had epilepsy. And so when he would preach, maybe he'd have a seizure. And um, in that day, they thought if you had a seizure that you were demon-possessed. Uh, some think that it was his eyesight, that he, he couldn't write very well and he loved to write. And so his eyesight, and he asked God to fix his eye, eyesight. And, um, and, but we don't know that. Uh, some, a couple scholars uh, think he was bipolar or something. And so I don't know where they get that, but whatever. Here's the point that I love. We don't know what the thorn in the flesh is for Paul. Because don't we all have different ones? I have one in my life that's still trying to finish its work. I've had some in my life that have finished their work, praise God. But aren't you glad that you don't know? Because here's what we do, as, at least as I can only speak for Americans. We'd figure out what it is, and then we'd come up with a formula. And there is no formula but to have it finish its work. That's the formula. So whether you're going through financial difficulty right now, the formula is to allow it to finish its work. Whether you're going through uh, a marriage issues, the, the formula is to let it finish its work. 
If you're, one of your children has an ailment, we let it finish its work. Because the work is to be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That's the goal. Is it the why? I don't know. But it's the how. So Paul goes before God. He says this. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Three times. Now, just so you understand the context of this, this was not three times like, God, can you take it away? Please? Pretty please? Oh, okay. Forget it. These are three seasons. These are three seasons. And what is he doing? He's pleading with God. Now, I don't understand why God would allow that on someone like Paul who essentially is doing everything right. But his thoughts are higher than my thoughts and his ways are higher than my ways. And so I have to trust him. We, uh, we've had three seasons of pleading with the Lord. Uh, when our son uh, was diagnosed with epilepsy, um, I remember I was sitting in the, it was like a, it was like a, for, it was like neurologist for kids. And I'm sitting in this tiny little chair, you know, they have these little chairs that the kids are supposed to be sitting in, and I don't know why there wasn't an adult one open, but I'm sitting there, and the, the, the guy comes out, a neurologist, and he says, I'm just going to let you know that your son has epilepsy. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know, because at that point, his seizures weren't, um, he just was, they were just different. And so I'm like, okay, cool. Like, is there a medication? Like, what, like, and he said to me, I'll never forget it. He said, this is going to be a very, very, very long journey. So that was season one of just kind of trying to figure it all out and pleading with the Lord and going to the, had the board pray for him and lay hands on him. We went to healing rooms, had people I really trust praying for him. At one time we had a, um, annual conference. We have one every year with all the pastors. We had 70 pastors praying for him. I pleaded with the Lord and they didn't go away. They started getting worse as a matter of fact. And that was season two. And that was, then they started becoming more just pronounced and they were happening at like, for some reason, like two o'clock in the morning on Saturday morning when I had to preach the next Sunday. And, and, um, and so that was a season I was pleading with the Lord. And then there was a third season, which was an incredibly, incredibly dark season. Here's what God says to, to uh, Paul, what he says to me, what he says to you with whatever you're going through. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. In other words, I'm never leaving you. I'm going to be right here. We're going to go through it together. And my presence and my relationship with you can get you through anything. Doesn't answer the why. It just answers the how. My grace is sufficient for you. Now, somehow Paul got to a place in his life where he, it made sense to him. And, 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 and that it, he was okay with it. Because he says this afterwards. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. So that Christ's power 
may rest on me, that it may finish its work, that I may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. It has to finish its work. He says, this is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties. Paul somehow got to the place, as James did, that they knew when it was going to get hard, they were going to grow. I also want to mention this. Um, For the first time that we've done online, I'm actually going to stay after the sermon. And so if you have questions about all this, Pastor Michelle will be monitoring our Facebook Live. And we can just kind of talk about it in a discussion online and on camera and um, um, see if we can't um, answer some of your questions. So if you want to be formulating those, uh, feel free to do that. We'll just, I'll stay for 15 minutes and we'll just see if nobody has any questions, then good. But I wanted to keep that uh, option open and I failed to mention it in the beginning, so... That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. What the? I I mean, come on. Delight and weakness. I don't understand that, but I want to be that. I don't understand why God wouldn't take Paul's thorn away. You know, I would, I think. I'd be like, oh man, Paul, yeah, you're working really hard here. You know, (laughs) I'll take it out. But he didn't. And Paul's okay with that. And I want to be that type of person. Because here's what he says. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. He's figured out some mystery. That that when I'm weak, I'm strong. And, you know, most of you know my son's story. He ended up getting brain surgery. And uh, that cleared the the seizures until uh, just last winter. He had one at college, but that, that was more sleep deprivation than uh, it was caused by that rather than it like coming back. And so as I look back over those seasons, I think to myself a lot, and I wish I had handled season one better. I wish I had handled season two better, and I certainly wish I had handled season three better. But here's the thing as I've been contemplating this and contemplating my own life. and It's impossible to handle season one better. Because I had no experience in that season one. I had to go through season one. And then I had to go through season two. And I had to go through season three. Because it had to finish its work. And I know if God brought me something else, I'd have to go through that season Because he wants me mature, complete, not lacking in anything. He might not have caused it, but he's going to use it. I want to end on this one last thing. Because this is very important. I'm talking specifically to Christians. And if if you're not a Christian, I'll just let you in on the underbelly. Um, A lot of times Christians like to hang out with other Christians. Because people who aren't followers of Jesus ask really good questions. And, and, and if you're a Christian, you get intimidated because you're like, oh, shoot, like, I don't know, because you're, you're, you feel threatened, right? 
And so what they'll do is they'll use verses. And they'll, you know, so because they feel uncomfortable. So when we were going through our issues with Jesse uh, and the seizures, um, um, I call it drive-by versing, uh, where they just kind of like lob a verse like, hey, you know, all things work together for good. See ya, you know, because they don't want to go through the finishing its work with you. They just want to cast a verse on you. So I want to I talk about one verse in particular that we use um, as we're uncomfortable. And I want to give you some context because I think it really helps when you're going through the fire. It really helps when you're going through a difficult time. And, the, and what, what had happened was the Israelites, Israel became powerful. It, they became wealthy. The poor weren't being taken care of. The alien wasn't being taken care of. All the things that are near and dear to God's heart weren't happening. And so God's like, you just care about comfort. You just care about yourselves. Uh, and he actually did cause the Babylonians to come and raid Israel and take, take them off to Babylon. So they're there. And, you know, of course, they're upset. And just like everything else, the pain is causing them to reach out to God. And God sends this prophet, Jeremiah. And Jeremiah says this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now, here's the problem with quoting this over someone who's going through pain. If you want to quote this over someone who's going through pain, add the, the last phrase that puts it into context. It's not in the Bible, but if you know uh, history, this didn't happen for 70 years. So it's great, but the work hadn't been finished yet. They needed 70 more years. So if you are talking with someone who's going through financial pain, going through physical pain, going through relational pain, and you quote this verse over them, look them in the eye and say, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future in 70 years. And they'll go, it could take 70 years, and you say yes, but the Lord's going to be with you, and I'm going to be with you, and you walk them through it. Why? Here's what it says in verse 12. Then you will call on me and come to me and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Then he says this. This is so sweet. I will be found by you. I don't know how long your difficulty is going to last. I don't know if it'll be solved tomorrow. I don't know any of that. I know it might last the rest of your life. But I know that in the process of pain and suffering, there's a place you can get to where God is close enough to where you can actually rejoice in the midst of it. I never got there. In those three phases. But I'm so much closer now than I was in phase one. So I'm going to give you a real little pithy statement. Because I like to rhyme things. And I like them to be memorable as Taylor comes back up. Here's the prayer you can pray every single day. Lord, teach me to embrace it before you erase it. Do you like that? I think it's kind of cool. Teach me to embrace it 
before you erase it. In other words, let it finish its work. Let me get to a place where I can go, okay, if it doesn't change, I'm going to be all right. We got to this place when uh, in phase three, what I would call phase three, um, where we just said, okay, you know, maybe, maybe he just has this the rest of his life. And, and so I started thinking about um, planning a church up in San Francisco because they have better mass transit than we do here in Southern California. And uh, so that he would be able to get a job, get an apartment, and kind of, you know, be in the, be in the, be in the city. And uh, I'm very thankful that it didn't come to that. I'm very thankful he can drive. I'm very thankful that we have all that. But I look over those three, and I, I, was, I was pretty close to this. I was pretty close to this. And you can be too. What we're going to do as we end this morning is, um, normally I ask you to stand for the blessing. Um, but I had asked Taylor yesterday, <laughs> to learn a new song. Um, I would like him to sing a blessing over you. Um, I would like him to sing. Um, and, and my prayer is that the words of this blessing would be really deeply felt if you're in a posture of pain right now. That you would begin to even maybe experience God's presence. And I know it's odd, it's odd if you're in your living room or wherever, but, um, but that's my prayer. That you would know that he is for you. Even in the midst of all this, he is for you. He is for you. Let me pray for us. And as I mentioned, I'll be sticking around for a little bit if you want to ask questions or have a conversation. Uh, if it turns out good, uh, we might actually incorporate this moving forward. So just a, a chance for you to be able to get things clarified or understand stuff or push back or what, what have you. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you modeled how to do suffering well. And, uh, and then you walk beside us, before us, behind us. So, Lord, I pray as we enter into this week, some of us dealing with very, very difficult things, that you would help us to allow it to finish its work, that we may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. In Jesus' name, amen.